Welcome to the Serie A Show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the City Ah Show. I hope you're all doing very, very well. We won't be talking about the matches in the previous weekend, but we will discuss the recent Champions League uh, results and um, also be previewing a couple of the matches this weekend. The slate isn't that great, but we do have Roma, Milan, and we also have Fiorentina, Lazio. So, Nima, Chloe, how are you two? Yeah, doing good, thank you. I'm great, um, although I haven't had someone serenade me, but um, I'm doing great despite that. Yeah, well, see, I did, um, but I don't <laughs> oh, have... The, I've missed that. I've missed that. Is that real? Yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't have, though, a club or the club I support in the Champions League. You do, and they looked good. I would assume you have absolutely no complaints about that performance yesterday. I mean, Inter, Inter set a new record. Um, I think it was like the, the least amount of goal, uh, shots on goal they've ever conceded in a Champions League game ever against Borussia Dortmund yesterday. Um, and that just pretty much says it all. Inter were, were almost perfect uh, defensively. I know I've said on this podcast that I've, before, um, before Conte came and even after he came, that I was worried about Milan Skriniar adapting to the three-man uh, defense, especially playing to the left. Um, but yesterday, that was his by far the best performance he's, uh, he's had. And he's important. You know, he's a leader. He's, you know, we have different kinds of leaders, uh, you know, on, on the pitch. He, Barella's a silent leader. But Milan Skriniar is a vocal leader. He's the one who leads by example. He's the one who gets stuck in. Um, he was he was really good yesterday. He, he did some fantastic trademark screenyard tackles uh, but uh, having said that Stefan de Frey is just what a player i mean the i don't he's the most elegant central defender in the world in world football today i i, can, I don't i mean i can't think of anyone else who who makes defending look so elegant and beautiful like he does he it's he should be italian by rights you know what i mean like this is yeah. this is when yeah. canavarro maldi like that kind of elegance that he has is just is is so beautiful to see and defending in the modern game is all but dead and then therefore it just looks it's so nice to see to see someone to, to do it at such a great level i mean i i i and then Handanovic was fantastic. No, it, it was a, it was such a good performance, especially in the first half. I think in the second half, Inter struggled a bit, um, and and Conte looked a little bit like he he refused to make changes. He just kept bully shouting at them. You know, I'm not taking anyone off. You need to resolve this, pretty much. Um, but but uh, he did bring uh, Lukaku off for Sebastiano Esposito, who was. 17, I mean, this guy made his debut when he was 16 years old in the Europa League, uh, and now 17 years old, he makes his debut in the Champions League, and he's so damn good. Um, he's got an exciting future ahead of him. So, no, it was, it was. A, I have no complaints uh, at all. Maybe, maybe missing a penalty is obviously never good, but uh, no, other than that, I thought it was a really, really good performance. Chloe, what did you make of it? Yeah, the same, really. I just, I think... Um... In the past, you know, you'd see after a, de- a defeat to Juve, you'd see Inter go on a slump. And, you know, um, I remember, I don't know if it was last season or the year before when they drew 0-0 with Juve. 
and they had spalletti and it and it was a, a slump that lasted a couple of months um and he really struggled to shake that off but with conte he's obviously um he, he doesn't allow a slump like that he he will right forget that move on onto the next one and um obviously the the Sassuolo game was a, uh, showed a little bit of the old pats at inter um letting them get back into it um, and, and it ended up 4-3 but the Conte part of it was that they still won and then to put in such an assured performance um, against you know a team away from home that uh, are by no means easy prospect uh, to, to win that so convincingly uh, it just shows what a good job that Conte is doing and that I think Inter are, are finally finding that consistency that they've so sorely lacked in the past I, I don't know about you guys, but of the three Italian sides, well, of the three Italian sides at one, I should say, I, who knows what the hell Atalanta are doing in the Champions League. I, that's, <laughs> we could spend an entire podcast on that. But um, I actually thought Inter, of the three that won, I thought they looked the most impressive. Yeah. Nima, do you agree with that? Yeah, um, I think defensively for sure. Uh, they look like a Conte team, and they're starting to look like a Conte team. One hundred percent. I mean, of uh, yeah. and of of all the of all the teams they've met, of all the teams they've played. I mean, this is the best team they've played so far this season, uh, and won against. Uh, obviously, Barcelona and Juventus are are better than Borussia, but those are games where Inter didn't perform consistently for 90 minutes here Inter managed to get the result and perform well without having any collapses of any sort and and and, and there's they're, they're adapting more and more to to his style of uh, to his style of football um, and that's that can only be a good thing and what I what I really like to see is I mean is is how he he can rotate and I mean he said in the beginning of the season that he was going to uh, that uh, Roberto Gagliardini was going to be his pet project to fix Roberto Gagliardini, and it's already bearing fruit. Uh, he, I think Gagliardini yesterday was so good; I did not expect him. And Barella is what a player that is. I mean, what a find for Italian football! All of a sudden, there's this this explosion of these central the, the, these central midfielders, Italian midfielders that are so damn good, every single one of them. Barella is no exception. He was he was sensational yesterday. Um, no, I, I I'm really I'm really I'm really happy because I, I I was I was I was preparing. I I'd prepared to come on this pod today and and say that I want Inter to punt the Champions League because I thought it was gone. I never thought Inter were going to win. I thought it was going to end in a draw. Well, one that looked like it was either headed for a draw or a loss was Juve and Chloe. I, I... <laughs> This is, I, I mean, we talk about Pazza Inter. I mean, this Juve, I mean, you don't know what to expect because that looked dreadful for about 40 to 50 minutes. And then they, they it takes them two minutes to take the lead uh, in the latter stages of the match. So I don't really know what conclusions to draw from that performance, <laughs> but it's certainly confusing because you really don't know what to expect from them. No, and I think it makes them a little bit more interesting to watch, not knowing what's going to happen, because in the past, you knew what was going to happen. They were going to win. <laughs> and it was likely going to be quite boring. But, um, you know, now it's a little bit more unpredictable. Um, I think that there's there's kind of two things I took from that match, that um, to, in order to implement Sari's style, it's it's making them a little bit vulnerable. 
um, and they're not always performing at a consistent level. Um, like Neem said, it's almost like into a new way of, of swapped roles in a way. Um, they're, they're not always performing um, in a way that we're used to, which is almost like a machine, just winning, winning, winning. Um, so to go to a goal down like that is obviously a big surprise. Um, but then they have got that quality um, and Dybala suddenly came to life after a really average start to the season. You know, he's, he's, he's really come to life and scored those two goals um, and he's got them out of trouble. And, and that's what they've got in the locker. And I think that um, the fact that they've won for so long for the past eight years, um, I think that's probably in some of the players that are, that have been there for some of that time, it's probably still ingrained in them a little bit and that they suddenly remember that and it, it clicks into gear. And, and I think that's the only way I can explain it really, because um, this is not a Juve that we're used to in any way at all. Um, and and it's, it is a lot more interesting from a, a non-Juve fan perspective, I would say. But the crazy thing is that they still, I mean, look at what, in eight games, seven wins, one draw, Champions League, two wins, one draw. They, they, they still manage to get the job oh, done. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's, it's just, and, and Dybala is turning into the player that he was a couple of years ago. I mean, I've always thought that he's, he's one of my favorite players. He, he will always be. I, I love Mine him. Mine too. But... I, when, watching that performance, I cannot believe Paratici even had the thought of selling, of selling him. him. It's like, is it, it's, that is insane because he, he, the, the if they can just get Ronaldo into that, into those positions and get him scoring, which you see bursts of, especially last week, I think against, was it Hellas they were playing? Um, uh, or, or this last past weekend, I can't remember, but it, I think it was Hellas. Um, no, uh, who was it? Was it? Who were they playing this past weekend when, when Ronaldo scored the first goal and then Dybala? Or was it this past weekend? Uh, never uh, mind. Bologna? Yeah, Bologna, thank you. That's the one. That's the one, yeah. They, the, I mean, you see bursts of that in games where he they get him in the right position. Um, but but when, I mean, just think of it. This is this is only two months in, and they, they have this record. Think, I mean, we all know how, how Sarri's teams usually are better after Christmas. Can you just imagine how this team will look after January if they, if they just follow this this curve that they're set this path they're on? They're going to they're going to mop the floor with everyone they meet. Yeah, it's definitely and, you can and, see and, it coming, and, can't you? You can just see it. Just yeah, growing, and growing. just think then Kili- and then Kilini's back by then. <laughs> I mean, it's just I I I'm really impressed by you, but I. I I, I think this is uh, everyone who who counted them out. They they will be eating their words come before the end of the season. Yeah, and I'm curious to hear what you two think because, listen, we talked about how we really didn't like, particularly from an outgoing standpoint, the transfer market that they had. I still can't comprehend how Matuidi, Kadira are two focal points in Saudi's formation. I. I I cannot make sense of it whatsoever. No, I st- I'm still, I'm still failing to understand. I mean, obviously he's brought the, the most out of them, and, and the job that he's done with uh, Quadrado is absolutely incredible. And I think as, as a, on the right side of defense, he's yeah. like he's done nothing but play very. I mean, I can't think of many right-sided fullbacks that are better than him right now. I mean, no. it's just it's I think, crazy. I think that's uh, a lot thanks to bringing Bartzali back as a coach and you know um, developing him in that way. But you know. 
to, to the, the player that he is this season is incredible. Um, but I think, yeah, I think that he is probably getting the absolute maximum out of the likes of Kadira and Matuidi, but it's, it's still a bit baffling as to why he would want to do that in the first place because they're, they're not, um, especially Kadira, is not, um, he's not at the level that it, Juve being a Juve player warrants. No, he isn't. But but at the same time, it works in the system. And you, I mean, the Sami Kedira and Blesmatridi, they have like what seventy five titles between them. One is a world, both are world champions. I mean, they, they they were talking about quality players who 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 have the experience to adapt and give you a certainty, even though they might not give you exactly what you want, but they give you the certainty. Uh, and 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 the lowest their lowest level of performing is pretty high. Um, I mean, adapting Miralem Pjanic to that regista role is, is, I mean, that was a slam dunk. Uh, but to actually get him to perform at this high level is, is truly amazing. Um, and then you have... See, but for yeah. me, I, and maybe it's, maybe it's a bit unfair, but I find myself comparing this Juve to his Napoli, particularly in, in the midfield. And, I mean, I don't know. There's just really no similarities whatsoever. I mean, you had Jorginho, you had Hamsik, you had Alan. I mean, you compare those to like Pjanic, Matuidi, Kadira. It's sort of like, where where's the intersect here? Well, How are they even remotely Well, similar? Jorginho and Pjanic have a similar role. They cert- Well, the technical standpoint, yeah. absolutely. But I do, I mean, to me, this reminds me more of his Empoli side in the firms, in the way that it's, that they're form, that they're, they're supposed to play on the pitch. It has absolutely nothing to do with, with the Napoli who play, with his Napoli side who played such, they, they always looked for the angles, weren't they? They were playing triangles almost, the kind of Italian tiki-taka, if you will. Uh, but <clears throat> a much more direct form of tiki-taka playing triangles. This Juve is much more, is, is much more direct going forward and it, it looks more like his Empoli side. Yeah, I, I think, you know, he did say at his introductory press conference, um, don't expect it to just be... They, they were asking about the 4-3-3 in Napoli and he was like, well, who says I'm going to play the same formation? You know, he, he, he was like, well, I'm going to look at the squad, I'm going to see what their qualities are and then I'm, I'm going to build my formation based on that. And I think... You know, we all expected him to resume that because that role at Napoli, that formation was so fixed and the players they had were so fixed um, that we thought he was going to carry on like that. But I think we've seen him really adapt as a coach and um, take on board the experience he had in England. And, I, you know, I, I think he's, he's evolving all the time. And so, you know, we're not going to see an exact replica of Napoli. And... And I guess that means that, you know, he might win something with Juve because he, he played beautiful football at Napoli but ended up with nothing to show for it. But he didn't have he didn't have the squad depth though, did he? No. And and, and he had a some he had a better squad depth at, at Chelsea and he won a few things there. Here at Juventus he's got I mean he's got he, he can basically play two starting elevens that are as good as each other, which is insane. Um and and and, and then and, and that is when he's got Chiellini, his captain away, and uh, Danilo, who was doing pretty well as a fullback away, to injuries. I mean, just think when they get back. I mean, by the time Chiellini gets back, De Ligt is looking better and better by, with every game. He will have adapted fully. I mean, 
it's um, and then you have and then you look at Higuain and and, and Bernardeschi who was, who was so last season was where is he going to fit in where is he you know how are they going to play him now he's looking like he he's one of the most important players in that team to keep the defensive balance now it's it's all falling to place falling into place for for Sarri and 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 a part of me kind of likes that because of the way that he's been kind of this this narrative that's been created around him of being an ideologue that never wins and he's a bohemian like uh, that 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 nutcase Zeman and Bielsa like but but he's nowhere near that and I think it's he's showing that he's not and he's showing that yes he's an ideologue but he's also uh he's also a winner uh, and that's really interesting yeah and that's a good segue so Napoli they beat Red Bull Salzburg by a score of three to two they are on top um, of Group E, they've scored five, conceded two, which is curious because <laughs> in the league their defense is all over the place. Whereas in the Champions League, they look so much more uh, balanced. They look much stronger at the back. What do you two think of Napoli? Um, it, it's so odd. I, I mean, you want to talk about not being able to make sense of a certain squad. I, I, I can't figure them out for the life of me. I, I just can't. And I, as I said, I don't know what's going on because I, if, if this Mercato they had, they were supposed to play a four-two-three-one and the four-three-three. Now it's back to the four-four-two, and there's 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 a there's a there's issues of space and balance defensively in that team that were that that you saw last season, but which you shouldn't you would normally expect the Ancelotti team to have. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's the fact that he maybe doesn't trust Milik and Llorente to be good enough in a 4-3-3 so that he can pack that central midfield with one more player. Maybe that's why the Ibrahimovic rumors won't go away. Uh, because the, the, if there's one thing Ibrahimovic knows how to do is to play as a number nine striker, lone striker. So I, I don't I don't know. I find it really strange. I find it really strange. And I find, find the fact that Insignia has become a problem Almost. Where where is his role now? Because when he plays in a four four two, he plays like almost to the, like a like a half inverted winger striker, and 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 when he plays in a four three three, he becomes too isolated on the wing. I I I don't I I, I find this whole situation really strange, um, and that's something they need to address. I think. You know, it depends. You know, is is Ibrahimovic just just you know playing the media game? And is he, or is he really interested in coming back to Naples? We, I mean, he's said in the past. I mean, Raiola has said that he would like Ibrahimovic to play there, uh, but, but I mean, I, I don't know. But, but it's, it's, it's definitely you can definitely see that Ancelotti wants to wants to change the formation and the tactical setup, but he doesn't feel that he can, so he reverts back to what worked last season, and it's not, and and they have the, still have the same problems as they had last season. And then you just mentioned Milik. He's a player I, I admittedly, I absolutely adore. And I've been baffled by the lack of trust that Ancelotti places in him. Chloe, Nima just mentioned the rumors for Ibra. <laughs> Do you think he's actually the solution to what they need? Because in my opinion, I think before they even start touching and worrying about the attack, I would try and figure out the balance that they have or lack thereof at the back. Yeah, yeah, they, they need... Um... You know, even even a player like Ebro is not he's not going to solve everything when there's clearly some kind of balance issue in the setup, in the tactics, in the formation. There's something there that's not right. I mean, even last night they won, but they conceded twice. Um, and I actually looked at the table um, earlier on, 
they're in fourth with 16 points. Um, but there are lots of teams uh, below them, even down to ninth place, that have got 12 points, so only four points behind. And Napoli have got Spal this weekend, but then they've got um, they've got Roma and they've got I can't remember who else it was. Somebody tough. Um, oh yeah, Atalanta. Sorry, Atalanta and Roma. After that, and you know I can see them sliding down the table a little bit, um, especially if these teams below them keep winning. Um, I think it's the the fact that the team isn't quite right is going to get found out sooner or later in the league. I, I feel like one of the places where he's sort of been given a bit of a pass just because he's obviously a fantastic manager. But I think as far as balance goes, I think as far as lineups go, formations, I, I just don't think Ancelotti has gotten it right so far. No, no, he hasn't. And and as I said, um, I mean, I personally still think that the reason he wants Ibrahimovic is to, and he, you know, aside from all of that, I mean, the, the reason why he wanted Amaro Icardi, the reason why he they signed Llorente, uh, is the fact that he wants to play with a lone striker and play a 4-3-3. That means that there's one more midfielder centrally. Um, but he, but it's, but it's clear that he doesn't feel that for whatever reason. He, he doesn't, whether it's because of the wingers or the striker, but he doesn't feel that he can do that um, uh, yet. And, and that's why you have a hole in the middle of the pitch. And, and, I, and, and to me, Napoli keeps conceding the same kinds of goals over and over again. And, 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 that, and that, that to me isn't about the central defenders as such, because you, you won't be able to convince me in a million years that, that uh, Albiol is a better central defender than Costas Manolas. That's just not true. So, but 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 so so I don't think it's that. I think it's it's a it's a midfield centrally balanced issue. I think sim not not the same, but very similar and reminiscent to what we saw with Stefano Pioli um, in in Fiorentina, where you could drive a tank through the middle, and that's something that I've never seen with his teams before, uh, with Ancelotti's teams before, and that surprises me. Napoli, Juve, uh, Inter. How are we all feeling, though, as far as their chances of making the knockouts? Are we all feeling good? Surely you have Juve and Napoli through. Nima, are you at all worried about Inter's chances? Absolutely. Uh, we're playing uh, Inter playing Borussia Dortmund in a fortnight away. Yes. Uh, now, that is, that, that is a game that uh, that's going to be very interesting because, at, you know, away, you know, I have to remember, yes, before the result, before Inter won yesterday, Borussia had four points, Inter had one point. So that was a game that Borussia could could go into playing a little bit more defensively and balanced because that you know Inter had to win. Now it's now the tables are a little bit turned. So because... so you're saying you're you're worried that that draw against Slavia Prague is going to come back and haunt them. Yes, yes, that that is exactly what I'm saying. It's uh, it, it, that 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 is a difficult issue. I mean, sure. Um, hopefully Barcelona can 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 win against Slavia at home as well and get them up to ten points. And if Inter can draw, as long as they don't lose away against Borussia, um, that's fine because then they'll be, then they'll be ahead of uh, Dortmund in terms of head to heads, which means that if that 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 puts Dortmund in a situation where they have to where they even if they win their two remaining games against Barcelona and Slavia after that they're not sure of qualifying through which means that Inter have everything in their hands so so that's uh, that's 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 next week is or in, in a fortnight that's the key 
uh, I still think it's um, it's 60-40 uh, uh, speaking for for uh, Borussia to go through. Um, but we'll have to see. I mean, that game again. I mean, again, you have to see which players are available and not. I mean, Inter had lacked, this, didn't have Sensi, Vecino, and D'Ambrosio. Uh, Borussia were missing Alcacer. Um, they were missing um, two other players. Uh, yeah, Royce, Marco Royce. They were also missing players. I mean, it depends on who, who, how the you know what the injury situation is. And two weeks in football is a long time. Spot on. All right, so let's let's shift gears. Let's go to the league. And again, as I mentioned earlier, the slate this weekend isn't uh, – it, it's not that appetizing, but there are two notable matches. There's uh, Fiorentina Lazio and then Roma-Milan. Chloe, we will start with your Fiorentina. Um, Lazio is another one. I feel like this is sort of becoming a theme. I don't know what to expect from them weekend in and weekend out. No idea. I mean, do we even want to talk about that match against Atalanta? So you don't know what you're going to get from Lazio. But from a Fiorentina standpoint, I have to say I actually like their chances in this because they have found, as we've mentioned in the last couple of episodes, they have found consistency. They have found the lineup. They have embraced Montello's way of playing. So I would assume your confidence level is fairly high coming into this. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think where where Lazio struggled in, ter- in terms of consistency, um, that Fiorentina are now um, really good in that respect under Montella. Um, the they they struggled against Brescia. They were the Monday night game. Um, I have to say, Brescia were fantastic. Really well. They were very good. Yeah, really well organized. They battled hard. Tonali is just a wonderful player, even at 19. Um, and if, if, by the way, if Brescia can get Balotelli firing, I think they will shoot up the league. Um, they really have a good uh, base to work from. Um, but they, they frustrated Fiorentina. And I think against, um, against the team in the lower half of the table, having three men in the back line, it, it kind of... Um, hampered them a bit, and they didn't. They they didn't look great going forward. They were just sort of struggling. Um, so I don't know whether they'll Montella might make a change. He has hinted that he may move away from the three five two at some point if he wants to get more attackers on the pitch. Um, so we'll see. You know, it it may mean that. Um, Pedro, the new Brazilian striker who's yet to play, might might get given a game because he is apparently now fit. So uh, yeah, I think it'll be really interesting, and, and for neutrals especially because, like John said, you don't know what's going to happen with Lazio and Fiorentina. Um, the evolution of a new side with a new coach and a new owner is is really interesting to watch. I love this Fiorentina. I, I I think everyone you, you you both know it, but I I think they play the best, the most interesting, the most the most attractive football in all of Serie A, and they've been doing it since day one, since the season started. I absolutely love this interpretation of the three-five-two system. It's so so unique. I've never seen a three-five-two where you have two players up front that play as false nines. Uh, two wingers who move about as much as those two do. And then you have a midfield, which I absolutely love in Pulgar, Castrovilli and, and Badel. And then you have Dalbert, who I don't know what he was doing for the past two and a half years at Inter, because he was absolutely atrocious. 
Now he's turning in, he's, he's the best left fullback in the Serie A by, by a mile. Um, and then you have Lirola on the other side who, I mean, this Fiorentina is just wow. They they are an absolute joy to watch. And, and they play against um, a Lazio who... Who who are also who are anything but stable, like you guys alluded to. They you know three 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 no three three four four, everything can happen. So I think we're going to see an absolutely cracker of a game against Fiorentina. Lazio Fiorentina is going to be is 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 one of those games I've I'm not even gonna like no one no one can disturb me when I'm watching that. That is I'm so looking forward to that. Well, that's a that's a fantastic segue because the opposite of that is what I think Roma Milan will be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I expect uh, I expect some of the ugliest, most unattractive uh, matches of the season because you obviously have you have the football of Pioli, which no matter what the situation, it's never attractive or hardly attractive to begin with, except when he's uh, hammering Roma seven to one in the Coppa Italia, um, <laughs> and then you have Roma, who, if you want to understand. What their injury situation is? It's insane. Uh, today at the Stadio Olimpico, before they face Munchen Gladbach, the agent of Emil Hafritsen, so the former Udinese Hellas Verona midfielder, will be meeting with Roma because he's a free agent, and Roma are desperate oh for a free agent midfielder. Jesus. There was also the name Mathieu Flamini thrown out there. So lovely. <laughs> this is. Um, no, it's I mean, how, how, I mean, what's going on? Like, per, which play? I mean, okay, let's go through the list. Kalinic gone. How long is he gone for? Three, six months, three months, two months, okay. two months. Okay. Uh, Zapacosta done for the season. Uh, Diavara, uh, he will be back in about two to three weeks. Cristante, uh, he is done for three months. <laughs> I, mean, is, I, I mean, Lorenzo Pellegrini. Yeah, Pellegrini. Out. Um, uh, Genghis Under out yeah. for another week or so. Perotti. I mean, we could go on and Perotti just returned. He was out for 60 days. There is so little I could say that makes any sense to anybody in regards to Roma's injury situation. And I, I know it's so easy to say we'll fire the medical staff, resod the training pitch. Roma have done all of that <laughs> multiple times. So, um, I think the only thing I can say is they're either cursed. Maybe they built their training pitch on the burial on some site sort of, <laughs> on an Indian burial ground. Um, I don't know what to make of it, but if you look at the number, and, and this is always when people talk about Roma and injuries, everybody cites the the torn ACL statistic. I believe since 2015, Roma have suffered 15 torn ACLs. That's insane. Three or four. Yeah, three or four of which were actually reoccurrences. So pl players to tearing them for a second time. Uh, Florenzi, you had, uh, I believe, uh, Rudiger was another one who was in there. So the injuries that they suffer, is the, it's an obscene amount. So Roma, at, at this point, um, I don't know what they're going to do because in the midfield, their only, they're only available midfielder uh, is essentially Jordan Veretu and Javier Pastore. Now, what about uh, Zaniolo? I mean, Zaniolo can play everywhere, can he? Uh, yeah, well, he, if, if if Fonseca continues with the four-two-three-one, there's no way you're going to put him in that uh, that Mediano role. Mm. Um, so, if he continues with the four-two-three-one, it's really Pastore, Veretu, and that's it. Uh, I 
would like to see him go to a 4-3-3 and maybe put Florenzi and Zaniolo in that midfield. But it, it's it's absolutely desperate times, and it could not have come at a worse time because, as Chloe mentioned before, uh, Roma have very, very, very important matches coming up. They're obviously facing Milan, uh, and then they'll also be, uh, they're also facing uh, Udinese, Napoli. I mean, these are teams that they are going, well, except for Udinese. I mean, these are teams that they are supposedly fighting for uh, for a Champions League's place for, and I can't help but think that these points, uh, should they drop them or continue to drop them, they have four draws on this season already, they are going to massively, massively regret those drop points in the later stages of the season. I agree. Um, I mean, I had them as fourth, and and I, I, I'm starting to doubt that. I'm starting to doubt it now, because this is looking ridiculous. Well, it is looking ridiculous. Um, I won't necessarily call a draw against the Claudio Ranieri, Sampdoria side. Now, they were bottom of the table, but they played infinitely better. Infinitely better. Not even comparable. Pretending um, to be shocked necess- over here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily call that a horrible result. No, um, no. All things given, I, I mean, most of the time I would take a draw. Uh, uh, anytime you play in Genova to begin with. But, I mean, they should have beat Cagliari. They should have beat Genoa earlier in the season. I don't know how they conceded three to this Genoa. So, yeah, they, they can't keep dropping points like that. And, again, you mix that with Atalanta, who uh, they go from absolutely smashing Roma one weekend to getting hammered by Shakhtar Donetsk uh, just like three days later in the Champions League. I, I don't know what the hell to even make of them, but they look so good in the league. And most of us, I think we all agree here that they wouldn't finish top four. I don't think any of us had them finishing the top four, did we? No, I, I still don't think they'll finish top four. I still think it's, I mean, for me, I'm I'm more inclined to, 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 bet, to, to swap out Roma for Fiorentina. This Fiorentina side, I mean... They, they, it just looks so good. You can see when a team is in perfect balance and harmony, and when a, when a co, when everything in a club is just playing like a, like a piano, like a, like a fine-tuned piano. And that's Fiorentina for me right now. Um, it's, it, it, I, I mean, it, it's just that that system. You were talking about <laughs> playing the Brazilian striker. No, don't touch anything. Leave it alone. Do not touch this system, because that that though this team is in such a good place right now and they they under they, every single one of them interpret their roles in such a good way so just don't touch just leave it le- le- let this be you know just you know until until the results change and the teams are learning to 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 counter fiorentina in some way i say leave this alone because i don't see how for me right now the the, the tempo in their passing the the movement the interchangeable positions the the scammy as the italians say Chloe, have you even allowed Champions League qualification to creep into your mind? <laughs> yes, tentatively. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, I just keep thinking back to the times when Montella got us for three years in a row. And, and at the time, that was a Europa League place, but now it's Champions League. And I, and I think that with a lot of the bigger sides struggling, Lazio have dropped... Uh, Milan and Roma, as we've discussed, are, are having troubles. Um, you know, Napoli aren't great. I, I think there might be a gap there. Um, and, and if, if Fiorentina keep with this consistency, then, you know, who knows? And, and that really would be the ticket um, to allow Comiso to 
invest more and, and push the team on to another level. So, you know, if they did get that, that Champions League place, it will be an absolute game changer. Well, before we go, let's talk just briefly about Milan. So Stefano Pioli, he he makes his debut and in... Um, in fi- well, in fairness, in fairness, so Milan drew Lecce 2-2. Two two. In fairness, so Lecce, they, they score a goal in the dying seconds of the match. Uh, that was an absolute rocket of a shot. I, I can't think of any more heartbreaking ways to drop points. The Pioli high is short but sweet. I mean, that's, that's, I've said it so much, and we saw that. That was a microcosm of what I mean when I say that. The first half, Milan looked like uh, like, the Mil- like the Milan of old. They were the movement and Paqueta looked like Kaká in two thousand seven, and you know it was it was fantastic. It was it was fireworks. And they fall flat on their face. I mean, it's it's just it, that is Pioli's problem in a, in in a, in, a, in like a in a nutshell. And and but having said that, you know, this was a diametrically different Milan in terms of how they approach the game, the mentality, the vibe around them. Under under Giampaolo, they looked looked like they were depressed, and and there was angst in the air. You could literally feel it in the air. You could touch it in the air. Now it's something different. There's joy. There's happiness. There's ease. Uh, I, I still think that he'll he'll. I still think that he will get them further up the up the table before it it, it completely falls apart. It usually falls apart if he what is it October now. Well, it usually falls apart for him when he takes over mid-season around March, February, March. So I think <laughs> I, I, it's got the sense of fine science now. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's 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 always like this with this guy. Yeah. So 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 I think I think by the time, but so I, I'd say about February, it, it, the wheels will come off. But until February, it will it will probably look good, and they'll climb up the table and. Piontek, I mean, if he can get Piontek going, if he can, I mean, Rafael Leao looks really good. Chalanoglu, if he plays like that against, I mean, if he, in Paqueta, if they play like that, like they did against Lecce, week in, week out, there's no doubt in my mind that Milan will go up the table and actually be one of the teams contending for the fourth Champions League place. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, I think the, the mistake for me in all of this was to award Pioli a two-year contract because... You know, he's he's never going to be their long term solution. He he was going to come in and, you know, like Nima said, under Giampaolo, they looked panicked. They looked they they had their heads down. They it just wasn't good on any level whatsoever. But Pioli is good at man management. He will get the players working for each other. They all look happier. You know, there there are lots of good aspects to Pioli and he will put that side, he'll pick them up and put them back together and initially they will you know, before his kind of tactical limitations are exposed they will improve Um, but bringing him in on a two year deal is is madness in my opinion, it's just you know, bringing him in as interim to get them back working again, yeah, Giampaolo was a disaster that's fine um, but don't give him a two-year deal. Get somebody else at the end of the season who can take them forward. Because let's face it, that's why you've got rid of Gattuso. But also, I'm really keen to see what happens at Genoa. Because with, with Thiago Motta being appointed the new coach, and him in the first press conference saying that he has developed a system called the 272. <laughs> like, um, what the hell? 273, I think it is even. Um, I... 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I have, no, no, sorry, you're right. It's two seven. Yeah, yeah, it's some. But I just know it's seven midfielders. <laughs> that's just that's just that's just what I know. Two, two, yeah, two, no, sorry, two seven one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he was talking. He for me it was the seven man midfield that caught my eye. Um, now you see why is, we talk me, football and we're not rocket scientists. We can't do math. No, we can't. Two seven one. Yeah, no, seven midfielders. That 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 is. I mean, Genoa. We all, <laughs> when we speak of crazy presidents and competence and, and madness. I mean, Preziosi. I mean, yes, as a player, Tiago Motta was 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 fantastic. Is he is he crazy or is he is he just avant garde and the rest of us are fall, really falling behind? But two seven one, um, I have a feeling that Genoa are, are really really gunning for that relegation place when they when they when they do stuff like this. Well, in fairness, in fairness, um, I saw some people a bit uh, a bit pessimistic on the appointment of uh, Tiago Motta. I would much rather a club go down that route, show a bit, uh, show a bit of guts, yeah, than appoint Beppe Iaccini. No more <laughs> of that. No more of that. So I, I'm actually I, I tip my hat to them because mm. my God, if I have to see the same names recycled year in and year out. Uh, no, thank you. So I actually I, I give uh, Preziosi a bit of credit here, yeah. Well, Ballardini and the, well, he can't take Juric. His usual schedule is Ballardini and Juric sharing the sharing the job throughout the season. But he can't take Juric because Juric is at Hellas Verona, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, so that can't be done. But no, I mean Thiago Motta. I mean, as a player, he was he was probably the best midfielder. I mean, one of the best midfielders I've seen play for Inter in my lifetime. He was absolutely fantastic. Um, his his footballing IQ was other level, uh, but I, I, I it remains to be seen. I mean, was he was he just joking when he said he wants to play two seven one, maybe or maybe he was just you know that was just some that's like a sound bite, but we'll see we'll see. But uh, I, I I I it's going to be interesting. I, I just think it's so sad to see that both of the teams from Genoa are twentieth and nineteenth right now, and and those are I think they're too good to be there. Both of them. I agree 100%. So we will be back after the weekend. We will be back on our uh, regularly scheduled programming. So uh, as always, thank you so, so much for listening, everyone. If you could continue to like, retweet all of our content, that that really, really helps us here. Uh, So as always, until next time, bye-bye.